Hello, and welcome to the Dodge Button Podcast, your podcast for the cheap, old, indie, and on sale. I'm your host, Jordan Hamilton, and I use they-them pronouns. And I'm your host, Ash Vernon, and I also use they-them pronouns. And today, what are we talking about, Ash? Today, we are going to be talking about a little indie darling called The Flame and the Flood, which is the debut title from a studio called The Molasses Flood. Um, It's on... PC, Xbox, uh, Switch, and PS4. Uh, they have another game coming out soon, right, don't they? I think it might be out, but I don't think it's out on a system I own. So I, I haven't uh, been able to look at it. But I, I think it's uh, it's called Drake's Hollow. Um, and it looks like it takes place in this little backwater area where you like there are little gremlin creatures you have to fight. Looks very interesting. No, and you can't feed them before midnight. <laughs> and you can't feed them before midnight, and you can't get them wet. And <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about this game? Why do you like this game? What are, what is this game about? Um, so for me, I mean, I love this game. This is definitely one of my favorite games, um, as have been all of the ones we've been discussing because there are choices and we get to pick. Uh-huh. Um, it's our podcast; we get to decide. Uh-huh. Um, cry, cry if you want to. <laughs> right. The Flame of the Flood is a survival game. Um, it takes place after some sort of f- literal, well, it's in the name, a flood, um, <laughs> has, <laughs> I realized how dumb I was going to sound if I <laughs> continued that sentence the way I planned it. Um, some sort of flood has struck, if not the entire earth, then at least the little corner of the globe you're on. Um, and everything is flooded to the point where there, there are just little islands throughout this giant river and all you have is your raft and a dog and you are going down the river trying to collect food and not get eaten by wolves and, and uh, not get attacked by boars <laughs> or bears or snakes or basically, freeze to death basically everything you run into is bad unless it's fluffy yep yep essential i was trying first i felt like something there was there was an untrue factor to that statement. I was trying to remember what was dangerous and fluffy. I mean, in, in reality, everything is fluffy because you take the fur from everything, but... That's true. That's the true. Bun- the bunnies are cute. I actually sometimes <laughs> feel kind of bad trapping them. The, the the rabbits make some pretty rough noises when you kill yeah, them. <laughs> it's pretty game, gnarly. This game does not get, uh, not necessarily get nice at any point. Although it does always, uh, I notice it's it's a game that's hard for me to pick up, but once I'd spend the first like 10, 15 minutes playing it, it's a game that I'm very comfortable slipping into. There's definitely a flow state element to this game where it it is uncomfortable until it isn't. Um, is right. very much. And and then it adds another mechanic or the weather gets colder and you're like, oh damn. You're like, oh was, shit, I'm almost dead but again. I was, I was comfortable though, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, before we know. get too far, before we uh-huh. get too far into the mechanics and the gameplay and all of the sort of rich tapestry that we will be mm-hmm. weaving, uh, I do want to because I love hearing your thoughts about music, um, and I did want to hear your thoughts on this soundtrack, which uh, is put together by Chuck Reagan. I uh, I really 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 love this soundtrack. I thought it was really excellent. Um, I have I, it on my Spotify. <laughs> I just yeah, listen to it. It's yeah, same. It's on my it's on my Apple Music on on like a couple different playlists. Um, yeah, I love this soundtrack. It's incredible. It's got very folksy. Um, very folksy. Very... Lots of banjo, which like uh, you know, at this point we seem to have a, a type. <laughs> oh no. Um, Oh yeah, and we, it's banjos. We, and it's banjos. <laughs> Can you tell we're from the south? Oh dear. Yeah, we are a parody of ourselves. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, it's really we're from good. deep Chuck Texas, Ra- y'all. <laughs> Chuck Reagan has like a really um, like soulful kind of raspy voice, um, and it really fits like the um, aesthetic of the world almost. Um, as you're riding this raft, uh, down this giant river, um, things will, like, pop out of the river that look like monsters, but are really, like, just trees. There's never anything actually supernatural going on, but there's always this, like, weird 
kind of hint of it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, there's definitely something very sinister and ominous. You can see when you go down the river, there are eyes coming from the tree line in the dark, um, mm-hmm. which which is just in the reality of the gameplay, you know, wolves or bears or another normal nighttime creature. Um, mm-hmm. But it just it feels so looming and dangerous and you you really are just so small in this world that is suddenly so large and strange uh-huh the the islands sort of just like loom out of nowhere uh one of my favorite things about them is that um they're procedurally generated so every like mm-hmm. cluster of islands you get like a couple of different ones um yeah there are different of types them... of islands that have different resources on them depending on what they are different levels of danger etc right and and so um like but my favorite thing about them is that aesthetically they sort of just come together in these clusters and there's always one or two that you'd really like to get to but that you prioritize a second um I, I like always noticed that I would be like, all right, I'm going to go to that campsite because I, I need to get a, to get to a campfire and then I'm going to go to that wilderness because I know that I'll be able to maybe catch some rabbits or get some like wild food, like some dandelions or something. And then there's a, you know, there's a, a dock a little further left, but like I've only taken one hit. So I'll, if I can get to it, I can. And then mm-hmm. every time I would be like, maybe I should have gone to that other place instead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh and also the the flow of the river can fuck you over as far as getting to stuff too right yeah no the river the river is very much its own beast and you uh you have your own health that you have to take care of you have to make sure you eat and sleep and drink and stay warm um and then you also have the health of your raft so while you're going down the river um it is entirely possible to have like the best run ever and be like totally stocked and then uh crash your raft one too many times and drown in the middle of the river. Yeah, with all of your food in your backpack and yep. your bear jacket on your back. Yeah, uh, uh I don't know if you read the uh uh, signs anymore at the very beginning of the game. Uh, honestly, not anymore. I, I'm pretty... I I know what they say, but I don't have them memorized or anything. So, the fact that you just said just now that the river is its own beast is uh, excellent, because that's the whole reason that I have, like, uh, five windows open mentioning T.S. Eliot. Oh, good. Um, yes, be- please, tell me about this. <laughs> the very last uh, sign before you get on the river is... Uh, about the river, essentially. It's, it's. I think it's just telling you... No, it is. It's just telling you how to um, navigate the river. What Jordan is talking about, to be clear, is that when you first wake up you in, and start the game, you're in a kind of... Not really tutorial, but, like, introductory area where there are little, like, camping signs that stay, say stuff like, you know... Don't eat poisonous food. Yeah, and they teach you like <laughs> you know, basic basically. recipes. They teach you how to search. It's like a you could walk past them and, and figure the game out just from context, like button context prompts. Right. Um, but it's little helpful hints. It is helpful hints, but each one of them also has like uh, a little quote. There's one about the wolves being like the raven. They're like desolate and uncaring or something like that. But the one that really got me is the very last one is a quote from T.S. Eliot that says, I do not know much about gods, but I think the river is a strong brown god, solid, untamed, and intractable. Ooh. Uh, and I read this that and I was so like, good. I was like, that's the whole game. That is the game. As what, a good, what a good as quote. Pretentious as that sounds, what an excellent quote to pull. Right. Uh, that quote is from a, a, a poem by T.S. Eliot called The Dry Salvage. I think that's how you pronounce it. I might be butchering it. That's okay. Um, T.S. Eliot was a piece of shit, so we don't have to respect him too much. Oh, good. I didn't know that. I just looked up the poem today. I Um, don't... Yeah. I I don't remember details, but I I do remember finding out some untoward information about T.S. Eliot. Yeah. Yeah. Unsurprising. (laughs) Right. Given the the generation. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty dope poem, despite that. I wish I had known that before I got so deep into liking this poem today. But the whole thing is a really long hey, metaphor hey, hey, about rivers. It can rivers. still be a good poem. He's dead. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did find it on Genius, so... 
You didn't pay for it. It's whatever. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty excellent poem with a really long extended metaphor about rivers um, that uh, I really enjoyed, and I think it's a really good uh, summation of the game. Extremely cool. Do we want to talk about... Um, so there are two different modes that you can play in this game. There is the campaign mode and the endless mode. <laughs> what and did you so, spend most of your time playing? I have spent almost all of my time with this game in the endless mode. I've played through the campaign mode like one and a half times, mm-hmm. um, but al- almost exclusively at this point, my, my hours are clocked into the endless mode. I think the campaign is super worth playing, and I actually, before we recorded this episode, was like, Jordan, you're going to finish the campaign mode before we have our episode. Um, I, did. I did. For the record, I want to be clear up front, I did. Jordan did. It was very good. Um, but So the campaign mode is what it sounds like. It's a story mode. There are some... It, it's still largely procedurally generated, um, but there are sort of specific milestones. The biomes come in a very specific order. The weather is planned. There's a, a limited planned. number of biomes. Yeah, there's 10, I think 10 biomes, and yeah, uh, um, there's, there's a couple plot events that happen. There's 10 biomes. Um, the 10th ten, one is a bit of a, a plot. It's just plot. Right, yeah. Um, and, and the difficulty progression is very linear. It, it gets colder, the weather gets worse, the food gets uh-huh. scarcer. It's all yes. pretty straightforward. Um, the endless you can, mode... You can prepare a lot easier in the campaign mode. Okay, yes. so this is a question I want to ask you that I think you're about to answer. So I want to okay. see, just, I just want to see if I'm predicting. Okay. Or if I, if I was right. Do you, is the endless mode, like, harder from the beginning, from the outset? Yes. Uh, okay. So in the endless mode, you get hungry, fat, hungry, thirsty, and tired faster. So all of okay. your bars drop. I want to say like twenty to twenty five percent faster. It's like significant. I didn't I thought it was because I like immediately got jumped by a boar? No, it's significantly more difficult. Um, now I think things like injuries affect you the same. They might hit you. Well, I guess they probably hit you faster because. So when you get injured or sick in this game, one of the first things it does is it takes a chunk out of things like thirst and hunger and sleep. So your mm-hmm. your whole health, all of your health, will drop if you take a significant hit. Um, and they will bounce back up if you bandage it or stitch it closed or splint a broken leg or whatever. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, endless mode is more difficult, which is really interesting because I, I briefly went back to the campaign mode. Um, I, both of us had played this game months and months ago, um, and then came back to it to sort of refresh for this episode. And when I came back to it, I, um... Did the campaign mode at first because I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, hop in and knock the campaign mode out and then, you know, I'll have remembered the game. Um, yeah, it's surprisingly short. Yes, it is. The campaign mode is very small. Um, but Just as I, I felt like I was, like, getting into it, like, like was, a, was ready to start facing bigger challenges. It I don't think the ended. campaign mode gives you enough room to to do anything like it really it, the campaign mode is 40 miles you go 40 miles down the river and in my current game of my i'm not gonna lie to you ash i never noticed my mile count oh yeah i'm i've never paid attention to it other than the like three times i died i play the game on on traveler mode i think is what it's called it's like the easy mode um which i don't know what difficulty you played on um uh but... the endless mode doesn't let you choose so oh, that's yeah. only so applicable just, to the campaign mode. Yeah, so I played the campaign mode on easy mode, essentially. So right as I just felt like I was getting into it, it ended. That's how I feel about the campaign mode in general. I think endless mode is... I, I like the campaign and I wanted to talk about it, but I think endless mode is where the game really shines. Um, because I put... at at The campaign mode ends at 40 miles, where you're just starting to kind of get your feet underneath you. And I am currently in my current campaign, or not current campaign, my current endless mode at mile 210. So, like, it's a very different experience. Yeah. Is that... How vicious is that? (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, at this point... So, the thing about this game is that it's an indie game. Mm. And it's put together by a little team. And it was their first game. And so, it's a little bit janky. (laughs) <laughs> um, and after a while, so the, it's, 
in endless mode, it is set to get progressively more difficult. So things are set to become progressively scarcer. The weather gets worse. The really shitty biomes keep popping up in the priority of the randomizer. You get more, more wolves, and more. more boars. Get more wolves. You get more barely any fucking rabbits ever. There's yep. just rabbits just don't exist anymore. Um, but you also, you know, you, you basically only ever see wilderness, which wilderness is the type of biome that is usually the scarcest on any kind of materials. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you get to the point where you'll, like, you'll get off your raft and you'll walk into an area and there'll be, like, one bear and a car with nothing in it. And you're like, cool. <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> and, like, I even got to the point where, so usually... Wolves are pretty common, and they, at night, will spawn in even to areas that they didn't exist in before. Yeah, it sucks. And I was, yeah, and I was getting to this point where I, even at night, could not spawn wolves. <laughs> and I was like, I can't eat anything. Um, so <laughs> I can't even kill the thing that wants to eat me. Right. Like, one of my best workarounds when you start running out of materials is that you can make the wolves and the bears fight, and then you can run around and pick the carcasses of the dead wolves for food. Um, That's so fucking metal. <laughs> that, was, that was, like, my number one strat um, once it started to be hard to get things like saplings, which you need to craft weapons. Mm-hmm. Um but then I was getting to where, like, I couldn't even get wolves to spawn in, so I couldn't... Can't even get no wolves! Nothing I could Can do. Can I get some wolves, please? Please? One wolf would be nice. I've got enough spear traps. I could take one wolf. <laughs> so, yeah, at this point, I'm basically surviving off of the, like, 50 things of jerky I had stored up, and... <laughs> um. I just I just pilot the raft until I'm tired and then I explore whatever I land on and there's never anything there and then I go to sleep and then I do it again. <laughs> I guess that why it, I guess that's why it has sort of reached a more meditative state for you. You described it as a very meditative game for yourself to me and mm-hmm. I did not feel it, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning of the game is not meditative at all (laughs) but you hit a point where you've hoarded so many resources that like almost anything could happen to you and you could survive it like i could get bitten by two snakes and attacked by a wolf and develop food poisoning and like i i'm fine i have stuff for all of that so it just sort of like you just boogie speaking of uh it being not meditative, mm-hmm. I would love to hear about your survival strategies to get around this beast of a game. So I didn't play a lot of endless mode. Um, mostly because I was expecting the campaign to be longer. Um, also because partly through the campaign I restarted it. Um, yeah, you had some shit go down during your campaign mode run didn't you yeah the first time i played through i reached a point where uh it was just raining for some reason i i don't like i guess i just was getting bad rolls uh on, like, there's there's also there's at least one or two biomes that have like almost non-stop rain yeah so it reached the point where i i couldn't even build a fire long enough to get dry mm-hmm. uh and i was just like uh, really discouraged, which uh, is a, like a, a thing that happens to me with games. <laughs> That's why I bounce off of them a lot. Um, and so, and to be clear, this is a really hard game. Like I, I, I hit my stride with this game, and this really like pings a lot of of buttons for me as far as like things I en- the type of challenge I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, this is a hard game. <laughs> It's pretty This ridiculous. is a hard game for me. So I had to put it down for like three or four days and uh, then came back and was like, okay, I've learned a lot of lessons. I know what I did wrong. I know how to prepare. I'm ready. And then restarted it. And mm-hmm. man, I will admit though that my second time through, it clicked for me. It like really, yeah, it- really, really. So I, I think I played this before you, right? 
I like. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I you did. This you to you, you right? picked it up before I did. I yeah. I don't know. I don't remember how I heard about it, but I do know that you had it before I had it. Um. So like, I remember the first time I played this. I uh. I uh, I like bounced off of it pretty fast, and you really, really, really stuck to it. You liked it a lot. Yes. Uh, and then, I think this is very much a game that you have to have a couple bad runs. Um. Because that's the best way to learn, is to just really yeah. fuck up a couple times. Yeah, you have to figure out how to string a good run together. Um, but yeah, we were talking about your uh, strategies. So, it wasn't so much my... You're talking about what I what I hit you up in the Discord about? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that wasn't so much a survival strategy. It was a thing I started doing at the very beginning of my first playthrough. Or not at the very beginning, but like in the middle of my first playthrough when I like started panicking. Um, and then I'd started doing it, uh, again in, uh, today I started playing again in endless mode just to sort of refresh myself on the game. And, uh, I got attacked by a boar because I, like, overstated a fire. And, have I told you this already? Uh, you mentioned it in the Discord, but I would love to hear the actual story. So, like, I hadn't found any flint. Um, the campsites I had stayed at, most of them I had been chased from at that point. There had been, like, a wolf spawned at the first one during the day. Um, so I hadn't found any flint, so I hadn't been able to make a stone knife. So I was otherwise, though, pretty stocked up. I had dandelion tea in case I got bit. Uh, I had a lot of food. I had a lot of ash cakes. Um, Me cakes. <laughs> I had um, like two stacks of dandelions I had a stack of cattails so I was like pretty good for food for a little bit so I was stopping pretty regularly and I found a campsite um, and I found flint but as I found flint I also found uh, a boar um, um, and what I also realized is as I found the flint was that the other flint I thought I had had I had actually spent to build a campfire um the reason I was at this camp in the first place was because I didn't want to use my campfire. Um, so I stopped. But you had crafted it, so you had already... Right. Waste, or not wasted, but used your flint. Right, right. So I stopped at this campsite uh, to make ash cakes, found some fire, or I found some flint, was like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to go make a, a knife finally, find, find a boar on my way to the, the campfire at the campsite. Um... <clears throat> And uh, I'm like, that's okay. Once I get to the fire, the boar won't be able to reach me. Um, but in this game, the like naturally generated fires that you find on islands at campsites um, eventually go out. Your own campfires do too. Um, and so I overestimated how long I could be there. I slept too. Um, and then just as I was like, okay, I think I should go, uh, it went out. So the boar jumps me. Yeah, fires will keep away uh, boars and wolves. They won't come near the circumference of the fire. But your fire went out. My fire went out. So the boar jumps me. I'm like, all right, that's okay. One leg, one broken leg sucks, but like, <laughs> if I can get away, I'll be all right. So I start running, and there's like a technique you develop when you're chasing the boars where you kind of bait them into charging you because when they charge, they charge in a straight line. So mm -hmm. the, And then you can just sort of dodge Yeah, out you of the just way. sort of juke out of the way. But I, once again, overestimated and didn't get out of the way fast enough. Uh, and so while one broken leg isn't necessarily that bad, two broken legs is pretty rough. <laughs> um... Yeah, everything stacks in this game, by the way. You can get, like, laceration after laceration after broken leg after broken leg after mm -hmm. infection. It just is rough. So then the next thing that happened was I finally got off the island with my two broken legs. I make it to another farm. Uh, I finally have everything I need now to make a stone knife. Uh, and now I don't have enough rags to make uh, even one splint. No! So I have two broken legs and a stone knife. <laughs> doing good doing great <laughs> <laughs> um i'm considering shredding my pants i mean that um, will get you a rag but then you will be cold but then i will not have pants 
Yeah. And the, the cold comes on fast in the endless mode. I stopped there, and I'll consider my options later. <laughs> what was the... I don't think you told me about the, the, the boar story distracted from the hoarding story. Oh, so, yeah. So what I noticed is there's an option in the game where you can make the... You have a dog companion. Uh, his name is Aesop, or you can switch to Daisy the Dalmatian, um, which I, I really liked. I used Daisy for my campaign playthrough. Yes. Um... So you can choose to make the dog's inventory persistent between runs. Right. So if you die, your dog will always come back with whatever it was carrying. Right. At the at the beginning of the game, the dog, the like cutscene, the like introduction of you and the dog is, which is something I actually really liked. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, the introduction of you and the dog is, uh, the dog bringing you a backpack. So every run it pulls you the can backpack off backpack. a skeleton. <laughs> right. It does. Every run you can keep that backpack persistent. So because I have that option checked, I noticed that like as soon as I thought I was going to die, I started moving everything to Aesop. Yeah. Um, which like, okay, that's a valid strategy. But what happened was I was like, okay, I've moved everything to Aesop. I'm going to like go down the river and try to see if I can maybe still solve this problem. And... Uh, I stopped at a wilderness and was like super hungry and super thirsty and was like, well, now I'm going to die because I don't have any food or water without realizing that I had put it all on Aesop and Oops. forgot about it. Oops. So by then realizing I had it, I saved myself and managed. I'm still on that farm now. Um, so I just like I, I just noticed that like as soon as this game got tough for me, like really tough, really dire, I would immediately just move things to Aesop and then would forget about them, which just would, like, they didn't exist. And sometimes to my own, like, current detriment. Sometimes to the detriment of my current playthrough. I did it in my first run through, and then I did it in endless mode. That's so interesting. I feel like we used, we utilized Aesop's, we we used that mechanic very differently. I think that's very... I also didn't even really use my raft inventory until, like, I think the sixth, like the fifth or sixth district of the river, I just didn't, I couldn't conceptualize a use for it. I felt like I had to have everything near me. How did it, but what happened, what did you do when you ran out of space? I just fucking managed the shit out of my inventory. Wild. I had... I would drop... Well, so, also part of my problem, one of the things I, like, didn't like about this game was... I had a really hard time tracking what recipes were important when and what I needed to make them and why. Um, not just in a sense of like, you know, uh, like I enjoyed the fact that there was not a lot of tutorialization, uh, but like I had a hard time like parsing it. Uh, uh-huh. The fact that like a lot of the recipes are the same like six things over and over again. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they're just like differing amounts really messed with me. I sometimes found the, like, menu hard, the, like, navigation, the crafting navigation menu. Just, the, like... Yeah, the menus are not lose. the highlight of the... The UI yeah, is not I, the highlight of the game. I would just lose recipes that I, like, would need. Uh, like, at, at the very beginning, I uh, just didn't carry enough saplings because I just did not understand how useful they were. Oh, man, those are the things you need to hoard right. every so single I, like, second. Right, so I, like, didn't start... I, like, didn't start building traps till like, area four or five. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I had, like, a really bad first playthrough. On top of the fact that it rained for, uh, like, five days straight, I just, like, learned all of the hard lessons. Um, which, while that sucked, once I got back into it, I felt really good. You feel really like, on top was... of it, right? Like, once you know... Yeah. You learn it's a really learning cool is game sucks. To learn. <laughs> but once you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting game to learn. What you said about Aesop's inventory was so interesting to me because I I mean, I, I can't speak to what I did my first run or two because it was so long ago at this point, but my enduring strategy with Aesop's inventory was to always keep on him the kinds of things that would be difficult to get early in the game. So usually what Aesop was carrying was, I usually had him carry 10 jerkies um, so that, you know, I I had food. 
I would have the him idea carry. Of regularly having that much jerky at a time is wild. <laughs> to me. The idea of needing to carry backup jerky is wild. I think like max, I had a stack of jerky at one time, and if you thought that shit was gonna go on Aesop for a second, you were wild. <laughs> No, I usually had it. I I always had at least two stacks of jerky. Um, I prioritized You're jerky so after good at this an early game. run. I prioritized jerky. <laughs> I did because <laughs> jerky doesn't spoil. All your your regularly cooked meat will spoil. So if I got a bunch of meat, I wasn't gonna make six slabs of steak that would go bad in six days. I was gonna make four jerky and two steaks that I could eat because the steaks do restore more hunger than the jerky does but they don't last i uh didn't realize the value of salt and therefore did not because i did not know how to make jerky and uh threw a lot of it away that's unfortunate also because i didn't use my raft inventory listen i want to be mega clear here at least half of this was my own fault (laughs) there's 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 definitely no reason to throw <laughs> things away and not use your raft inventory. I, I don't I think just, that. I just for some reason could not conceptualize. And then like at some point it just clicked where I was like, well, of course I would want some of this shit there. I'm not going to use it for <laughs> like 10 miles. I, I'm going to want it in 10 miles, but until then it can just sit here. It's salt. It doesn't, like I don't need this. Yeah. Yeah. With ASAP, I kept... I kept jerky. I kept all my devil's trumpets stayed on Aesop because I liked having them. Um, and I usually had sort of a backlog of them. Um, and I, I, I liked being able to have access to them right at the start of a new game. Um, I would put wolf pelts or wolf coats onto him so I could get cold weather gear real fast in a new save. That kind of stuff. I never really made um, like poison. Oh dude. Oh dude. That's one of my that's one of my cheats. I have a cheat. I I I've I broke the game with a poison with a poison trick. What'd you do? Uh so what one of so Devil's Trumpet is what you can use to make either tainted bait or tainted meat. There's no real difference between those two items except that you make one from a raw piece of meat and one from a cooked piece of meat. Um but you poison the bait and you throw it in front of a wolf, and the wolf has an animation where it jumps backwards and then darts forwards and then eats it. Now, once it has darted forward and eaten it, you no longer have a tainted piece of bait. But if you run forward when it does the backwards jump, you can pick the tainted bait back up before the game has, like, used it, but the wolf will still die. <laughs> so it's like a glitch, of if you pick up the tainted bait too fast, uh, it doesn't get used up. And so you can just, you can use it infinitely until you fuck up your timing and it gets eaten. So I could get like five or six uses out of a single piece of poison bait. That's, okay. That's wild to me. Because I only ever used it once. <laughs> and the only time I used it, I used it at Angel Yard. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like there's like three or four wolves on that map. Mm-hmm. So my strategy was to like bait them all um, to the far all the way back to like the spawn on that island because uh-huh. they won't go past that gate that's right at the beginning of the island. Right. So I would just bait them all there, and then um, the first time I went there, I had enough to build a bunch of traps. So I just built a bunch of traps and baited them all there, and that's how I killed them. Uh huh. Um. But then the second time I went there, I didn't have anything to build any traps with, but I had some tainted bait. So I threw the bait out, not knowing how it worked, because at that point I just had never... I would rather have used the meat to eat rather than to feed to wolves. Right. Well, the the, the toss-up between that being that every time you kill a wolf, you get a new piece of meat. So, like, in a way, you don't lose any meat in this process, but you do lose a wolf. That's... Fair. I didn't realize that. I was more interested <laughs> in hoarding my meat for turning into jerky or eating. I just didn't bother with, like, most of my run was me just being like, oh, there's something on this island that could kill me? Gonna leave. And, hey, that is a very good strategy, and I spend <laughs> a lot of my runs just leaving shit behind. I feel very confident navigating the river and hitting up, like, 
three or four islands in a section. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how I really learned to play the game, is rather than even bothering with islands, just being like, I'm just going to figure out how to get across the river. Now that will fuck you up in endless mode. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> because endless mode gets... Because the the... Because the procedurally generated difficulty curve never stops on endless mode, um, you have to use your first, like, 100 miles, maybe not 100, but, like, 80 miles to get as many resources as you can possibly carry. Like, you just have to pick every single island clean. Um, And, I mean, I would skip them sometimes. Like, if I knew there were snakes on an island and also it was pouring rain and I couldn't see, fuck that. I was not going to go get myself bitten by a snake to go pick through an island. Yeah, I hate... I hate... Snakes are... There are bears. There are wolves. There are Snakes are worse. Snakes are the worst enemy I lost... Snakes are the worst enemy. The in only the game. time I've I've died in this replay was because I got bitten by a snake, and I thought I had dandelion tea on me, and I didn't. But I did have dandelions, and so I was like, "Cool, I'll just craft myself some dandelion tea." And then it rained for five days, and I died. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I couldn't make a fire to cook dandelion tea at, so I died. <laughs> I was very angry. <laughs> I had so many supplies. I was I had like I had like seven stacks well probably not seven, but I had like five stacks of dandelions. Like I was I had everything. I could have eaten the dandelions. <laughs> I, was just I should like, be able to overdose on dandelions to purge the snake poison from my veins. Right. It I shouldn't have had to have it in liquid form. I had so many dandelions. <laughs> I should be able to just wring them out. <laughs> right. I was so mad it wouldn't stop raining. That's the one when you upgrade your raft to have a stove, uh, you can use it in the rain. I did that at the uh, very end of the campaign, and it was the thing that made me feel like, um, can we talk about the end a little bit? Yes. Yeah, we're deep enough in now. If anyone's worried about spoilers, uh, you've heard the rest of the podcast, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the very end, when you, you get to it, the, the, like, it, the 10th area is called the Gulf, and it's just endless ocean. Uh, there are no islands. There's nothing. They're like There's, like, power lines that occasionally come out of the, the ocean. There's no You'll shore. You'll see those little like, buoys. Yeah, and for, for, the, for the first nine sections, uh, it's... I, you. How long is that, Ash? Do you know? How long is what? How long is, like, the Gulf compared to the rest? Uh, it's definitely shorter. It's only, I, it's only a couple miles, I think. Um, and it's, I never paid attention to the mile count. I love the, I, man, there's nothing I love more than arbitrary numbers getting larger. Who, buddy? <laughs> oh, man, do I love it when the number get big. <laughs> That's totally fair. I was just trying to get to the end because I didn't want you to be mad at me. Um, but yeah, so you get to the Gulf, and the only thing that made me feel the most comfortable about the Gulf was the fact that I had just before gotten the stove and had made a bunch of dry tinder. And so I was just feeding it into my stove. Like this thing has got to end eventually. This thing has got to end eventually. Like there's got to be an end to this. There's got to just keep, just keep putting tinder in. Uh, yeah, it was, it was terrifying, but the stove was the only thing that made me feel like I could make it through. Yeah. To be fair, that section will, um, once you're on it long enough, your UI disappears. It's basically just a cut scene that you pilot. Um, but it is very spooky for the first m- mile or so of it. Because you're like, yo, what the fuck? There's no islands. I was so afraid. <laughs> the what idea of you, you just frantically <laughs> stoking the stove. What did you think of the ending? I, so, I, unf- I couldn't recapture. I, I replayed the campaign in the hopes that I could recapture the, like, emotion that I had the first time I beat the game. Because I definitely, like, the first time I beat that campaign mode had, like, tears in my eyes. Um, yeah, it really... I thought you were going to say the opposite. No, I found it... it I was, was very it, let down by the ending. I found it really... Effect- I was I was let down in a way. I do think... Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay, so, like, I, I agree that there definitely... I wanted... I mean, there was there was more that I wanted. Um, it, it ended... It, it, like, ended, ended before I was done. Um, but while I was, like, experiencing the ending itself, I was like, whoa... 
um, because you, you know, you've spent this whole game fighting to stay alive and, you know, literally getting beaten to death by the elements and you've met half a dozen people on your travels and all of them have been sort of weird and like you could tell that no one has seen another human being in so long because everyone's just sort of like they're all really friendly though they're friendly they're very friendly like it's not a it's not a they don't act like hostile to you but they are sort of feral and strange yes they're they're Um, different than you yeah, they they have clearly been out in the wilds alone, yeah, it's, and so have you. The game, yeah, um, the game sort of implies at the very beginning that you've been at the at Camp Pinewood for a while. For a while, yeah. Uh, both of the buildings there are like picked clean. Yeah, and it mentions that you've already gone through them. So you you come to the end, and you find it's just been you and your dog this whole game, and the reason I. Cr- the reason I cried was because you get there and you find all of these kennels full of puppies who are training to do what your dog did. And it turns out that Aesop is retrieving people from like Aesop brought you here. You were sa- he saved you. He, he brought you to safety. He came to get you. Um, and for whatever reason, just after sort of struggling, because because my first run through of this, I, I I hit a I hit a stride with this game, but like my first run through of this game was rough. Uh, my first campaign mode did not go well. Um, Same. And, and so yeah, and so to have been through all of that, and to have just been it, just me and my dog, um, and then to get to the end and find out that like the dog was there on purpose, we didn't just sort of like. You know, I mean, it, it was a coincidence he found me instead of someone else, but, like, he wasn't just some stray I picked up. He was, like, a dog who was made to to do this. I just thought that was really cool, and it, it was very effective for me. And then it was over, and I was like, oh, that was it? Oh, You know oh. what, Ash? I didn't, even, I didn't even consider that. You've given me a new outlook on that ending. Uh, I didn't even think of that. That is actually really touching. It has. It had a little note. It, it would. It was something that's really easy to miss, and it's possible you didn't see it because there was a a note pinned to like a fence that was mm-hmm. like Aesop missing no, in action. So or whatever. what happened was I saw the note, but I was so like caught up in the fact that it was over and like seeing it to the end that I didn't really even process that I had been rescued. Um, mm, yeah, it's, it's, I will, to be fair, it is implied. It, they're, they're not like, we yeah, gotcha. But it's much but, more obvious um, now that you pointed out, it's, it's much more heavily implied than I, I maybe am giving it credit for. I, um, yeah, but that was what like upset me about it. It was like, right. As I realized, Oh, I am being rescued. There's like other people here who are, like at the very end, the the pop up is welcome traveler. Tell us what's out there, um, and seeing that, I was like, oh, there are other people here who are not these like other strange feral people. They're they're people who like want to see me. And realizing that, the game was over. So that was what got me. Yeah, and I agree. That sucks. I that that or not sucks, but that is not an ideal ending to me. That, but that wasn't the part of the ending that that got me, and it turned it. I because I think the implication is that the skeleton. I can't believe I didn't catch that. I'm so mad at it. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's it's really. I mean, like I was very, I was very deep in the fiction, um, <laughs> but I think the implication is that that skeleton that he pulls the backpack off of, because because the dogs don't go out in the field by themselves. They go out with like an explorer, um, who is supposed to be able to speak human words to you and take you to the the safe house um i did but, not really yes yeah um because each of the dogs had were paired with someone on the list um and so aesop so and, aesop and his is pers- a person's name yes aesop is not the name of the dog aesop is the name of the dude who went out with the dog to go get I you not, and he died i did not catch any of this and aesop so aesop brings you his backpack um, he finds you after he's been out there alone and brings you the backpack of his dead companion. 
and I brings you home. Even, I'm so mad at myself. Dang, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, that actually does play into one of the points that I do like um, about the intro that I was talking about earlier, which is it's got a very cool... The whole game doesn't really have any dialogue. Uh, like, you talk to the, a couple of people, but you Scout doesn't really talk. Uh, you never really hear Scout's voice. Yeah, the very little dialogue that there is is just text. Yeah, and uh, especially she never really talks to the dog, Aesop. Right. So She does pet him, though, which is good. Right. She pets him every time they get out of the raft. It's a very sweet, like, Pixar-style, almost. Uh, It reminded me of, like, Pixar shorts, where it's very, like, show-don't-tell. Like, every time you get out of the raft, you pet the dog. Yeah. Every time you get into the raft you, like, the dog helps you set sail on the raft some way. Um, uh, when you die, the dog is, like, fucking sad. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's one of the things I think I hated most about dying. It's like, yeah. I, this fucking dog is sad. Also, because I just never picked up on the idea that Aesop was a person, I always thought of that uh, skeleton being me from my last playthrough. I, I love that. That that as far as like in the meta of the genre, I think that is I think that's not necessarily wrong, you know. <laughs> like, I think that's I think that's true in a sort of metaphorical way. I never dug too far into the fact that Camp Pine, that meant Camp Pinewood was like a clone factory. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a bit a weird. <laughs> Thinking about it now, I don't I don't know. I just always figured that was me, but dead. I love that. Uh. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you for for enlightening me about the ending that and and now reframing the beginning for me. That that is much more touching. Yeah. That's that's why I like it. That's, you know, there's there's a reason this one really got to me. And why I've I've plugged so many hours into this game, Jordan. Yeah, you have. You've spent a lot of time. What was your do you remember what your hour count was last you played? Um, well, so the thing is, I have it on two different systems, and PS2 doesn't tell you how long you've played, but I think... So my PS2 run is at at least 230 miles, so ostensibly I've played at least as many hours on that as I have on Switch. Um, and I'm definitely in the, like, 200. Did you say PS2? On Switch. I meant PS4. <laughs> okay, I was just double-checking. Uh, I don't know what what year is it, Jordan. Um, no, I'm on PS4. So on the PS4, I think I've put in as many hours as... I I was thinking of the number 200, um, Mm -hmm. and that's just all that happened in my mouth. Um, so... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so probably a few hundred at this point, uh, hours I've put into this game. Wow. Oh, which reminds me, there was an article that you told me about a long time ago about the old oh, man. Oh, yeah, this is the game that made me, uh, or the, the article that, like, introduced the game to me. Um, Tell us about that. It's an article from Vice. Uh, it's from Waypoints, but they're not called Waypoint anymore. They're called Vice Gaming, I think. Um, right. It's by a person named Lewis Gordon, uh, and it's about Lewis Gordon's stepfather, um, who's like this, um, old, he's a retiree, he's like 63 when the, at the time the article was written, it came out, this article was written in 2017. Um, and what happened was he played the game for so long that he traveled 136.6 miles down the river, surviving 174 days. Um, and what happened was... Uh, the river just turned into, like, an ocean. And he starved to death. Yeah, the game will will glitch out on those long stretches once you get far... I, I, I busted it my first run through. Yeah, you told me that, and that's what, like... So, this article is what introduced me to the game. But then you telling me that was what reminded me of this article. Oh, cool. Um, because, because um, like, part of the charm... You can see it on the... I think I've seen posts about it on, like, Reddit, too. 
um, part of like the charm of the game is that it kind of breaks towards the end, and I don't know. There's something. There's something really cool about games that aren't meant to end that do anyways, and there's something really cool about that in particular yeah. in a game like this that I think this game for some reason really makes me think about loss and death in like a chill way. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I don't know. The the fact that you're so constantly close to losing the game really makes me... Always. Always. And, and that losing the game means dying, and dying means leaving your dog behind, and it also means starting over if you're playing endless mode. I mean, it means starting over if you're playing campaign too, because there are checkpoints. Which, checkpoints, oh my god, I'm so glad campaign mode has checkpoints. It's very helpful. Yes. Um... Yeah, but for some reason it just really makes me sort of think about it ending. And I think the fact that this game like is sort of known for it it, it ending, uh, or I think that like it's possible for even in an endless mode it ends, that just really fits the aesthetic of the game to me. It does, yeah, it really does. And I don't know, I don't know what needs to happen in order for it to end i don't know if maybe the day count has something to do with it because i you said he broke the game at 130 miles and i've yeah, got this was this was in 2017 um, that's true it, it's probably been patched since then yeah it's it's worth noting that he reached out to the flame and the flesh a, a quote in the article uh, where he talk, they talk about how he reached out to the the developers of Flame and the Flood, and they were like, "Holy crap! Like, how did you broke our game? How did you do that?" <laughs> uh, so they didn't really know about it, um, and so it's probably been patched since then. Yeah, because my first time that I broke it, well, my only time I've broken it, I was at like one sixty five, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but since then I have done runs that have gone past 200 without a problem. Um, so I don't really know what the, like, exactly what goes wrong. All right. Well, next month, uh, we are going to be talking, we we'll, we'll be doing our normal check-in at the start of the month where we just talk about the little games that we've been playing or not little games, other games that we've been playing. Um, but at the end of the month, uh, we are going to be talking about Supergiant's game Pyre, the game that came out before, right before Hades uh, from that studio. Uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, and we would also love to hear any uh, questions that you guys might have. And we have a way to get those questions now. So you can send any questions to dodgebuttonpod at gmail.com. Uh, and hit us up about Pyre and uh, anything you might want us to talk about or might want to know about the game or what we thought about the game. That's it for today's episode of the Dodge Button Podcast. Our theme song is BitQuest by Kevin McLeod. Um, like Ash said, you can email us at dodgebuttonpod at gmail.com and you can find us on SoundCloud. Just search Dodge Button Podcast. I've been Ash Vernon. And I'm Jordan Hamilton. Thank you for listening. Okay, goodbye. I love you. Okay, goodbye. I love you. What happened at the end?